0: Welcome to the Shadow Net everyone, I'm Phil aka zeroth Maxima, Threat Level Alpha. If you've never listened to our nonsense... I just, I just want to tell you up top, there's going to be some bad words. Sometimes a lot of them, so you've been warned. My extra special guest today, here to serve up two scoops of scoops, it's Eric Kielback.
1: Hey, I think it's funny in some sense because it's like, us and like, our rival podcast, Slumscast, are probably like the most degenerate corner in the Netrunner universe right now. And it's like- And it's very, like, in-jokey. And I I imagine if you, like, are basically a casual and, like, have no fucking clue what this is about, but, like, I'm just here for the scoops, buckle in. Because it's not going to be, like, two consummate professionals discussing Netrunner. I'll put it that way. Is that the kind of content you think people want? People like the process thing. And they're polite. They're British. I still haven't gotten through it. Oh, God. I I like that content, but that's just me. (laughs) Speaking of consummate
0: professionals, bonus guest this week. She devs for Nisei. She arts for Nisei. She writes for Nisei. And she even snuck into the design team. Truly, she does it all. It's Zoe. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm so excited to share... We're going to be talking about four new cards, but, well, we're going to be talking about a lot of things.
1: Scoops, 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 (laughs) hell yeah. (laughs) You've complained about a a lack of scoops all year, really, since we've started this podcast, Phil. Yeah, basically. And, like, this is the first time in the life of the podcast where, like, we truly are in actual honest-to-god scoop season. A legal scoop I won't
3: have
0: to beep out is so exciting.
2: (laughs) That's all right, I'll find something else to fuck up that you have to beep
1: out. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, that's not our problem. The people expect it.
1: The people cherish it. So luckily, I mean, like, listen, we are on Nisei's naughty list. Like, we're on like second probation, second double probation. But so like I play test with Nisei. It's kind of the labor contract is this. I toil away in the playtest mines, and in return, I get to take a few scoops home with me. So straight from the playtest mines, I have we got four scoops, four different cards to talk about today on the podcast. I love that yeah. it's like company script. Anyways, go, over. <laughs> <laughs> go <over face. laughs> Yeah. It the
2: the playtesters need a better union.
1: So Zoe, I mean like I know you pretty well because I actually end up interacting with you a lot in terms of Nisei. But like for those listeners who don't know who you are, do you want to do like a sort of a brief introduction?
2: Um, sure, I can do that. So you've talked about me being kind of involved with everything. It's not quite that much. I I don't know, honestly it skews towards the visible things. There are lots of people who are like involved with everything, you know, on a more like technical scope. But I started at Nisei, started as a playtester at like the end of Downfall and joined development in the middle of Uprising. So I was I think the first person added to the team like after Nisei started.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. i remember you Mm -hmm. playtesting testing for downfall i remember that yeah so long i remember
2: getting wrecked by you
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean some of the kinds of busted
2: (laughs) but yeah i kind of uh have branched out from there near the end of uprising coming out i started to do some of the art i contributed about half a dozen illustrations to uprising and since then i've I know built out a lot of skills, which I've talked about in a few art articles now, learning Deep Dream, learning photo bashing skills, learning 3d modeling in blender and kind of trying to build towards a hybrid style that hopefully can do a bit more flexible of uh, Deep Dream is fantastic for net space. And also, there are so many meat space scenes that like, I don't it feels very limiting to not be able to just bring things to life exactly how you want them. So Mm 3d modeling is sick for that
0: just casually learning blender yeah
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> just oops oops i learned a, i learned an art design program so i know some of the cards you've worked on because i actually do read who the artists <laughs> are but for those who don't know would you be able to name some of the artwork you've had a hand or made yourself on uh, the nisei Network cards
2: sure so by the time this is out system update is going to be out and there's Gosh, I think more than 20. I think I have more than 20 illustrations in there. shit.
3: Yeah.
2: And a lot of those are going to be featured in art articles, or already have been. And we're recording this, like, the day that the punitive article dropped. Oh, and I guess Icefall's in there, too.
0: You also wrote a freaking article! Come on, you
1: do do everything. She's the modern Netrunner woman. She's the modern Netrunner woman.
2: (laughs) It has been a long, boring quarantine. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, fair. For
3: sure.
2: But yeah, some of my early ones that I feel pretty good about are like Wall-to-Wall and ScapeNet, oh, yeah. where
1: I think the standouts oh. from Uprising. I didn't know you did Net. that's cool, I like ScapeNet. More. Yeah, that
0: one's really good. Thank I-, you. I have an art question for you, and this, okay. this rused the fuck out of me when it came out. So, World's Prizes, I grinded my ass off to win those Atlases you made. <laughs>
2: And... Oh, those atlases aren't me. Yeah. Uh, oh, those, okay. are, I fucked up. those are Kira. Ah No, okay. we're good. It's it's especially confusing because the I made the model that I used for my project Atlas illustration based in part on looking at what Kira was doing and trying to make sure I kept like continuity with that and continuity with Oberth protocol. Right. But but yeah, none of the like main event prizes for worlds, those are all going to be those are all unique as promos. It was the cards here that are featured in system update. You're already going to see new illustrations for a lot of them. Oh, very so cool. for example, liberated account is going to be the illustration I did that's featured in the world's pack, the yeah. celebration pack. I like that one a lot. Thanks. It was it was fun to do like something kind of like propaganda poster style.
1: Was it inspired by like the Eastern European political protests in the eighties? Because like I got that, I got a big vibe. Uh, I want to say it's Czechoslovakia. Man, I can't remember the name of the, the political leader, but, like, him having to, like, leave by helicopter on top of the parliament. Man, now I'm going to Google it because that's going to kill me.
2: <laughs> that's wild. I'm that was it. not my specific point of reference, though. My hope was to represent people doing a bank shutdown. Fun oh. fact, it only takes, like, a dozen pissed-off friends to make a bank branch close for the rest of the day. Nice. And some people who were trying to encourage financial institutions to, for example, like, divest from ICE... Use that tactic over the last few years, so that's part of what inspired that illustration.
1: hmm I think the one I was thinking of was the Romanian the Romanian abdication. I like it a lot. It's really good.
2: Thanks. By the time people are listening to this, there will be more examples than I can count.
1: Yeah. So this episode, yeah, this episode is gonna be recorded in the past. So we know all like technically update and gateway haven't been spoiled yet, but we know all of updated most of Gateway by this point. So. Oh Mike sent me all the scoops. Phil, you and I will probably circle back at a later date and just, like, talk shit about Updates. And chronologically
0: right? put it before this one, maybe. Who
1: knows? We love doing that. Time's an illusion. You gotta, you gotta, it, we like to put the episodes out of order because it gives, like, the true fans. It's like an ARG. You, like, put the pieces together. <laughs> You're like, oh, this episode's recorded after this one. It builds brand engagement. <laughs> yeah, you get,
0: like, rewatch orders, people mail in. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a whole thing.
2: Your podcast ordering philosophy is just based on misunderstanding Pulp Fiction.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got us pinned. <laughs> and so not only is update up, but gateway is out, long awaited.
2: It's been a long time coming, in part because twenty twenty happened on top of it, but also because we've been doing some really extraordinary work behind the scenes. I say we, this is not some of the stuff that I've been particularly hands on with, but laying the groundwork for like for years to come to have a lot more automation in layout and even translation for these cards. Doing a lot mm-hmm. of I don't know trying to do it right the first time and really uh, develop these tools. And the other part of it is just, Gateway's an exceptional set in terms of the, like, things it requires outside of the cards. Like, the cards have, I don't know, as we're speaking, playtest is going on for the thing after Gateway, like, already. But but just in terms of making sure that we have all of the things placed so that people can learn Netrunner and fall in love with it, like, that's a whole other thing that no other set's going to have to deal with.
1: Well, yeah, Absolutely. it's like you're trying to teach people how to play narrow net, essentially. Especially because it's yeah. like, it's really kind of crazy in some sense. It's like, it's been like, what, two years and three months or something since official support has ended now. And so I think it's forward thinking in a way. No, I think it is just forward thinking broadly. And I think it's way right, right way to think about it. But essentially, it's like, if Nisei was just to print like Downfall Uprising like every year or whatever, every nine months or whatever, you wouldn't have any ways to like engage new players. And so the update gateway thing is like you can buy, you know, update gateway and then like print out update or buy update. Or, I don't know if updates going to be sold. Is it going to be sold as like a product?
2: Uh yeah, it's, it'll be available in print on demand.
1: Yeah, so up you can buy update and gateway and like that is a collection to play with like a friend or a partner yeah
0: and i'm sure i know i'm planning when we can get together you know, not just run like update plus gateway gnks that kind of thing so i think there will be a lot more space to to get new players in and i think this is a very ambitious way to do it to bundle in new cards get new players and teach them in a way that is
1: i'm assuming superior to the way ffg tried to do it so, so, did you want to talk about, like, sort of the dual deck idea?
2: Oh, yeah. So, and some of these product details, of course, will be out in other places, too. But there are details about this that I feel like are cool to get into. So, Gateway consists of uh, dual decks which start in, like, an extremely minimal form that plays just, like, the most, like, meat and potatoes Netrunner you can imagine. And then expands with 14 cards on each side to make a more advanced learning deck that integrates, you know, all the mechanics that you'll need to know to play earner, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from there, yeah, you can build out with the rest of the card pool. The release model is going to allow for a bit of modularity for this as well. If people just, like, are trying to test the waters very cheap, that's also something that we want to make sure that people are able to do.
1: Yeah. I love that. It's interesting. So, like, I moved past Gateway mentally. I played Gateway <laughs> for a very long period of time internally. But it's like when you're playtesting, you don't really get a lot of, like, story or setting details. It's kind of just, like, a very mechanical way to think about the set. Because, like, playtesting is about, like, balancing cards and shit. Would you like to sort of give us, like, a like a quick brush on, like, maybe some of the creative themes or, uh, like, setting details around a Gateway?
2: Sure. So I'll talk about Gateway in general. And I'm also going to talk a bit about the runners featured in the cards that we're going to scoop today, both of whom we've met already in previous spoiler articles. So part of yeah, the scoping for this is that Gateway is very much, you know, it's not a two part set like Downfall Uprising. So rather than being a story that's about contrast, this is very, I don't know, sort of in the style of the set like Sansan cycle creatively, and that this is sort of a tour of well, in this case, the moon
3: mm-hmm.
2: with, you know, a focus on Highland and the ways that the, you know, social structures manifest themselves very literally there. And the runners that are depicted here are uh, Tao Salonga, who people have been talking about as, you know, Green Leela or whatever, from a mechanical perspective. Tao, Tao operates a Waldo, which, gosh, there is so much I'm, different, like, so many different corners of sci-fi terminology and weirdness for this. I don't
0: know um, what Waldo yeah, is. Yeah, what a Waldo. <laughs>
2: All right. So, what's Waldo? Not where's Waldo. So, Waldos are basically if you put your hands on controls that are right in front of you, and that operates machinery that is elsewhere or like at a different scale, and you interact at that specific ratio. So, for example, we see Tao manipulating something in meat space that's mirrored in the cyberspace hologram
1: on his ID. Cool. Okay, yeah, I know what you mean. That's sick.
2: Yeah. So, I can talk a little bit more about Lou because I'm also working on some of the fiction for him. Um, Rene Lou Akramon is the new Anarch runner. He's a wilder, so he's very much augmented to have kind of like a werewolf vibe going on. Uh, And hangs out at Wildside, works as a chef, does like... The story that I tell about him has him, you know, starting off doing like food prep for a mutual aid organization that gives out free food in like the poorest areas of Heinlein. And, you know, by the end of this, he's gotten swept up in this struggle between, like, police and the corporations who own them and, you know, these striking workers.
0: Ah, so just because you work in a kitchen doesn't mean you can't get involved in a little a little cyber action. I was a little rused when I saw the name Lou, because as we know, that's French for a wolf. And who else is the that, is that is name wolf? Is that true? <laughs> of course it's true.
1: It's, I, she just said it's a werewolf. It's funny that she's pronouncing it Lou because we basically called him bloop. Internally I know you did. For, at all the fucking playtest.
2: <laughs> I sure asked somebody before I went on here.
0: Here's my tough question for you. Are you are you replacing El Lobo, Gabriel Santiago?
2: <laughs> well, Gabriel is rotating, but I would say that that has more to do with Zaya doing some interesting and dynamic stuff with the design space that he occupied that reflects a little bit more of our philosophy in terms of color pie and central servers. I feel like as Nisei continues, we develop more and more of like our own sensibilities about how to like, you know, execute on these ideas, both for things that feel like improvement and also just for producing a continually changing game.
0: Yeah. Do you think, does does Gateway mark like a turning point within Nisei? I guess that's like, Downfall and Uprising weren't necessarily like rushed out, but they were the first products. They were just like to keep the game living. Now Nisei's going back. Making a core set, going to build on that in the future, is this sort of a new direction, or was this, like, always in the works? Is this just, like, a natural evolution of it? I don't know if you could speak to any of that. I mean, it's...
2: honestly, the metaphor that I will use for this that no one else will probably use for this, but, you know, it works for this episode, is that, at this point, making Netrunner as fans is kind of like squatting a house. (laughs) Yeah. Like you can do that in like a very short term mindset. And maybe you need to so that you can like get in there while it's while it's empty. But, you know, once you're there, a lot of what happens next is, you know, doing everything right, taking proper care of it, ingratiating yourself into the community and keeping everything on the up and up. So the way I see it is this is us kind of like establishing that really firm foundation to build years of Netrunner to come. And like, I don't expect that it's going to be as long turnaround time for future sets and part of that is also just, you know, as we grow older as an organization, we have an opportunity to work ahead that simply didn't exist for the first couple of sets. Yeah. Whereas now we're already in playtest with the set that follows this, in design with three products to follow that. So Damn. it's uh no, and this has been one of the really wonderful things that our new lead designer Johnny has been really working on is creating that level of advanced work and forward thinking. And that's also allowed us to do a lot of things on the development side that when we started with this, we inherited the game in a certain in state, and any sort of changes in philosophy that do happen, you know, are going to sort of proliferate gradually. Um, but Let's just not... call
0: it undemonizing it.
2: I will no, not no, do no, that. No. Damon gets a disproportionate amount of uh, flack. Honestly, I think that we're starting to find our own sensibilities and vision, and that's really empowering and exciting. And so, like, coming back to Zaya, like, the thing about Zaya is Zaya is HQ or Mm R&D. And that's because the general idea of, like, criminals run centrals for pressure, for money, for accesses, is the important part, more than just, like, blue goes HQ.
1: Yeah. My kind of take is, like, like Nisei's thinking long-term about this shit. It's not, like... Yeah. If you're gonna produce a card game in the long run, like, the goal... Like, you know how, like, a snake sheds its skin? We gotta shed all these FFG cards. And you can't do that unless you have like a bedrock foundation, which is what Gateway is like listen, I love Gateway. all the cards you know like tier one heaters are gonna put them on my on my decks absolutely not. but what it is is it's like the bedrock for decks for like the next like you know like four years of standard play or whatever like you know maybe not four years but like it's it's the bedrock of the game now like this is the foundation.
2: Yeah, that's definitely true. And it also means that future design has the potential to also be more experimental. I feel like we're definitely in a situation where, like, Ash's cycle was a really exciting and ambitious project. And honestly, just being able to be like, Hey, we can do this and we can maintain this level of production quality and so on is like its own bar to clear. Now that we have a little bit of trust, we're able to, yeah, try this more ambitious project and the foundation that that builds by that point, we're going to have something pretty solid and that's been thinking forward for a number of years so when we start to do some weird shit it's with the context of a lot of you know forward thinking to make sure that it doesn't do awful things
1: it's like i mean like listen this might have to get cut but it's like if you fucking think that some of the cards in here are a little too spicy if you can't handle directory wipe buckle the fuck in for the next product that's all i gotta say it's fuck it's gonna get spicy ladies and gentlemen it's yeah it's, it's an exciting time to play netrunner
2: Yeah, the Jinteki upgrade, which is not going to be called that by the time this comes out, is definitely (laughs) like...
1: Sorry.
2: No, you're you're good you're good uh, you don't have to edit anything about that just you know like this is part of like where we're at right now is it's mid-january and the majority of cards have final names but not all of them do the majority of cards have final art but not all of them do a lot of what's going on is editing and layout and getting ready for translation and things like that yeah but it does mean that things like this that can change a bit later in
0: the process sometimes have been allowed to correction sidebar zoe we're in the future we're older. We're wiser. Did we get anything wrong?
2: We didn't get anything wrong, but we did make some changes.
0: That's fair. That that happens, right? That's why pencils have erasers.
2: Well, that's not completely true. I got something wrong of my own volition. We talked about a uh, StimHack replacement called Probe, which I think I referred to as Overdrive. Its final name is Overclock.
0: That seems like a good name. Approved. Two more cards. The card we referred to as Directory
2: Wipe is now known as Antiotic Void. And I can't wait for y'all to see the art on that one.
0: Zoe, what does that even mean?
2: So the illustration, uh, basically, this card depicts two, like, gods of the net Ooh, ready to sick. wipe your, you know, pathetic avatar away from the server.
0: All right. Looking forward to seeing that art. And this frickin' card, mzdd No, I don't
2: know. Yeah, so we have... Ended on the final ordering for the letters, which is DZMZ Optimizer.
0: Sounds great. Now people know
1: what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I think basically my kind of take on like the whole future stuff, I'll just say yep. that end on this, we can move on. I haven't played Nairon for eight years, you know, it's a long fucking time. It is. I, I, I was thinking about this. You know, basically, hands down, the next set after Gateway is probably my favorite netrunner set of all time. I'm not. I'm not meme when I say that. I say it 100. percent Gateway's also super sick. But from the uh, shit, should have cut out the next set sounds fucking awesome. It, 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 it's <laughs> gonna get spicy. But we got but scoops. We got scoops today.
2: Yeah. No. And this is the thing: is that I also don't want to like take away from Gateway because Gateway's got that power too. A lot of this is saying like, okay, in our netrunner. People are proactive. In our netrunner, win conditions are important. I mean, that's part of why Sans and City Grid is in, in System Update. Mm.
1: Yeah. One of the things I like about Gateway, I've, <laughs> I, I'm gonna, it's called Efflorescence in the sheet. I don't think it's going to be called Efflorescence by the time this recording's out. But this is the, the, the Jinteki operation. It's three cost. You do a net damage for each point on agendas you've scored this turn, right? That card's kind of fucking combo city. It's sick. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a weird yeah, combo. Yeah, it sounds amazing. <laughs>
2: Like, the fact that, like, that card can make, like, folks like you happy, and also, like, people who are kind of, like, Jinteki shell game meme lords happy feels like a huge victory, honestly.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Like, these Um, are not the same demographics, so.
1: Yeah. So, you kind of have a scoop... Do you want to sort of like maybe start with the, the creative and the story behind it? And at the end, we can get into the sort of like the context and dig into it a bit. I just had one more thing.
0: We've been over this multi-talented artist. You do it all. Is that stuff you've picked up from like your real life occupation? Or is that just something that you've developed working with Nisei?
2: These are things I've developed working with Nisei. I have a boring desk job that doesn't afford me these kind of skills but i just kind of like i don't know once i'm set in a direction i can run a very long way it's been a quiet year and uh just kind of like you know coming on nisei and just seeing like i don't know this stuff happens by i know you like gave me shit for this earlier but this stuff happens by accident and Mm -hmm. there was like a post that was like hey you know does anybody want to knock out the last few illustrations for for uprising Mm -hmm. and the first thing i did was you know just like i kind of like fucked around a bit you know just kind of like dm'd Krembler, who you know at that point had like basically defined like the nisei deep dream look with just like the sheer volume of output in ashes in downfall and we kind of like worked together to polish that up and that became cordyceps and oh, I like the old yeah so that was like that was my first like anything i did on this and it was just kind of like huh. an open an open ask and after that i did uh i did scape net <laughs>
1: I I can I so before we go into the the card you have for us today. So, oh yeah, can, yeah. I, can we just
0: like can we just tease the fucking scoops for like two hours on this podcast and then we'll
3: get to the end
1: and we'll be like oh sorry we're out of time. I, I need a I need I need, I need a law check. So your name on Slack.
3: Okay, is
1: Zoe Gay Chanel. Yes. Zoe because your name is Zoe. Yes. Gay because you are gay.
2: Yes. But what does Chanel mean? So it's like the actress Zoe Deschanel.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> did you? Oh,
0: like, fucking fuck yeah! You the I got that. I I saw you write that <laughs> in the notes, and I was like, "Come on, man!
1: Who the fuck is Zoe?" Okay. the new girl. How old know, is How old is she? Older than you, probably. She's forty-one years old. Oh like shit! Really? Yeah, dude. I was born in '98, but I was I was negative eighteen when she was born. That's not legal.
2: Okay, I'm I'm halfway between our ages. My housemate made that joke once, and it kind of stuck. So I just kind of used it for everything, and have kind of been like shuffling through different spellings to make sure that you know that is kind of clear. Because well, you have, what is Chanel? Yeah, Zoe de Chanel. Fuck Coco Chanel. Nazi collaborator piece of shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's yeah. why I was like, I figured I'd ask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Shall we get okay. into that then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing everyone's, we, we beamed around for 45 minutes, but we really do gotta talk about these cards. Zoe, you wanna start us off?
2: Okay, sure. So the first card we've got is Wildcat Strike. So this is illustrated by David Lee. It's an Anarch Event. Cost two, one influence. And it's a resolve one of the following of the corpse choice. Gain six credits or draw four
0: cards. Look, I'm an idiot sometimes. I saw the name of this card, and I was like, are Anarchs doing, like, cool karate moves now? And then I saw the art, and I was like, oh, that's fucking sick. Oh, I get it.
1: Yeah, so, like, a wildcat <laughs> strike is a real thing. It's basically when you have members in the union, and normally when you're in a union, you have to, like, vote. Or sort of ask the union leaders to, like, hold the strike, and then it's, like, official in that sense. Mm-hmm. wildcat strike is when you're in a union and the vote doesn't pass or like the union leaders say no we're not going to strike for whatever reason and then you hold the strike anyway
2: in a lot of cases it's in response to like capture of union apparatus by people with like company interests
1: yeah so it's like if the union leaders for example are paid off or they like you know you don't think that your union leaders are appropriately advocating for your rights as a laborer you might hold a wildcat strike basically to be like you know like fuck off we have the actual power in the situation like it's we are the ones who hold our labor so we're gonna strike anyway and i I like how that's reflected
0: mechanically it's you're forcing the corp (laughs) to give you one of these two things six credits or four
1: cards yeah i like the artwork a lot too the artwork it's a strike i don't know if it's a jinteki building it's kind of like red and black but it's taking place in a in a dome on on in the moon obviously
2: yeah, so I actually covered this event in the story that I've written for Lou, which I don't think is going to be out at press time, but will be out during spoiler season. So he's with some workers outside of a regolith processing plant that's recently been acquired by Wayland.
3: Oh, nice. and
2: hmm. and this is and this is shortly after like a horrible accident happened, and people just like up and walked off.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so this is the picket the next day.
1: I think one of the things I like about this, and I think this is kind of true. Of anarch moving forward, narratively or creatively, is that like sort of historically, anarch has been like the political faction, but not in a major way, kind of like in a like, this is you know something that is hinted at, but like we aren't really gonna get into. And I feel like now, under the direction of Nisei, it's like for good, I think there's a good thing, the anarch are, like, way more political.
0: Yeah, like, Noise was like a meme anarchist, just like, fuck everything. This is actually,
1: like... (laughs) I feel more relevant. Directed social movement. (laughs) Yeah,
2: I mean, I think it's one of those things where... So, with a lot of what we've inherited, that Nisei both with, like, FFG's world specifically, but also just with like wider cyberpunk tropes and the cultural tropes that are used here. They reflect to some degree different values and worldview. And also I think it's just, you know, it's you don't have to be an independent group with no corporate oversight to say things like this, but it helps. Yeah. Yeah. But I think a big part of it is just kind of the recognition that we can be more clear, be more specific, be more relevant, and think a bit a bit more about so. We're making cyberpunk in 2021 after 40 plus years of neoliberalism ravaging the climate and destroying lives just as predicted in like, you know, the source material we hold so dear. So I think that there's an increased importance then in because the parts of this that are a warning about neoliberalism have been fleshed out by, well, neoliberalism. It's important that our world thinks a little bit more... Deeply about some of these problems, doesn't take some of the easy answers, and connects the dots to real world and historical events because, like, the horrifying hyper capitalism of this universe is an extension of our own. And that means its resistance
1: should be as well. Yeah. I think it's like art is political. Yeah. And like cyberpunk as a genre and like the works that inspire, I mean, like, you can, you can like go read like Neuromancer and like, you know, Snow Crash, for example, is just a parody and like a cautionary tale about neoliberalism and I warned
2: you about neoliberalism I told you dog
1: yeah yeah it's like exactly that and so in some sense I think that the political climate of the 80s is so different from now that the art we're producing now and I think in something like Netrunner is art that it has to be relevant I mean like it's it's a thing where like you know in the 80s if you if you, if you read Dune for example in the 80s which isn't necessarily cyberpunk but it's sci-fi and is really about environmentalism in some sense that rings that's like you know it's like uh we didn't know necessarily in the 80s or the I think w- when was Dune written in the 60s even I oh gosh don't ask hey, me you're going to older than a the 80s. girl yeah it's it's like climate change we weren't seeing the effects of it nor was it in the like public consciousness but like now we know what's happening and like we know we can directly link the activities of major corporations to like exploding the earth and like i think that needs to be reflected in and i think it will be reflected in netrunner essentially
2: yeah, I think that environmental disaster is one of the like most important things we can address in trying to get a more contemporary political scope with our cyberpunk. I've consider myself a little bit more optimistic than he is, but one of my biggest influences is, is you know, not a cyberpunk writer specifically, but Paolo Bacigalupi, who wrote The Water Knife and The Wind-Up Girl. His work's been characterized as things like biopunk or ecopunk, and just kind of... So FFG sort of took the easy answer, I feel like, when it comes to climate. When you look into the lore, kind of what's happening is we start with the assumption that there's a technological solution to climate change. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not. I am no scientist. But, you know, in order to have this setting, we kind of have to assume that. But then it seems like they often made the mistake of thinking about the things that do allow human life to continue to exist on on this planet we have so mistreated, treating those as corporate creations when i mean you know and i know that corporations don't make anything the people who work for corporations make things and consequently being like okay so what's happening here is not corporations delivering us something that would never be otherwise available this is corporations putting their grip firmly on you know the life support system of humanity and i don't think any of us trust mega corporations with that
3: Mm -hmm.
2: so i think that's a lot more of like the direction that we kind of have to go here. I think it's easy to hand wave away the environmental issues the same way as it might be easy to hand wave away the colonialism of the New Angeles setting, but we should not do either of those things just because it's
1: easy. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I just want to know, like, yeah, the things FFG did with their settings, I I think they explained it once. They said, like, what's going to happen 40 years in the future and then what's going to happen 40 years after that? And I think you're absolutely right. They took a lot of easy outs, like their analog for an environmental crisis was like geothermal fracking. Oh, it's creating like tsunamis like this huge, obviously big, bad scheme to drill for quote unquote oil. Whereas, you know, in real life, the effects are, are much more insidious. They're, they're much more long term, right? I yeah, think-
2: just yeah, uh, really reframing this as corporate control over the means of survival rather than corporations as a source of survival is real important.
1: One of the things I like about Wildcat Strike, narratively, I think it does a good job of sort of, like, explaining that, like, what action looked like. It's interesting, the Netrunner universe, in some sense, it's individualist, because the way we interact with the game is through individual runners. And so I think it's easy to take the impression away that, like, Ordinary people can't do anything. It's you have to be someone like Leela or Reina or Liza if you're gonna like make change. And I think Wildcat Strike is is making a point and saying, like, listen, it features one of the runners in the set, but it's about collective action. It's about collective yeah. power. And it's I think that's really important.
2: Yeah, that's a theme that I think we're gonna be coming back to time and time again. Because, well, when I see this stuff, I don't want to see Idealize superhumans in taking on these problems, and then go back to feeling helpless. I want to see something that makes me feel like, Mm -hmm. whether it's what we're facing down now or the or the dystopia that we're depicting, it doesn't have to be like this. And these steps to resisting it are small, they're collective, they're every day.
1: Do you want to talk a bit about the card mechanically? Like, if Um, it's good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that's your job to decide if it's good.
0: Phil, is. is this card good? I it looks really fucking good to me. Four cards?
1: That's good. Four credits. Okay, but like that's good. But okay, 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 Let's let's like I'll be the dream crusher. I think this card being what influence is very good for it. The problem is it's like the O2 shortage. Thing, yeah, right. <laughs> so Wildcat Strike, I think the reason why it's not like on paper, I think it looks a bit like dog shit, but then you play it. You know, the thing about it is it turns out that a sure gamble or four cards is really good. I think basically the court player is straight up inting if they just give you four cards though, but like that's besides the point. <laughs> I think you basically always want to pay out, like you probably always want to pay out the sure gamble unless they have like two credits after playing it.
0: Yeah, right? that that's how I felt about it. Unless they're super poor and can't use the cards are going to make them draw, then you probably shouldn't give them cards. But I think
1: it's probably board space dependent, right? Sure, I think it's skill testing in that sense. Like sometimes your opponent's get to misplay and give you money or cards when you don't need it. That being said, one of the things I think that's important about it is like just having access to more generic econ means it probably gets played. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. And again, this is a philosophy thing of just like we want to make sure every faction does things distinctively, but that's very different from just like gating basic game elements behind influence.
1: Yeah, it's like, if the, if the, if the the theme is just like, they don't get to draw cards, it's like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> like, I hate this. I don't, I don't <laughs> get to play the game. I think, I mean, we're going to, we're going to talk about this next sort of pair pretty soon. But like, I think one of the things Gateway does is it gives a lot of sort of basic econ to the different factions, which is sort of needed for like you like you need money and cards to play the game no matter what. Like that's just how that's just how it is. It's reflected in the corp side, it's reflected in the Renner side And so the Anarchs their the sort of like basic econ event is Wildcat Strike, right? which I like a lot.
0: Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I think it goes in most decks, I would think. Definitely in the core oh, it seems like fucking excellent. really
1: you think most decks?
0: <laughs> Hell yeah, draw four cards, give me that. Give me four cards. Okay, credits. no no Every no no day. fucking dude, you are fucking
1: Sharpie you're fucking Sharpieing out the first sentence, bud. Resolve one of the two. The Corp no, chooses. No, no. Yeah, Corp chooses is a yeah. big
0: deal. I, okay, it's kind of a deal, but both options are excellent.
1: Okay, I just like, so if you were playing an Anarchic, you would put three more copies of Sure Gamble in your deck. Yeah. Okay, I think if the Corp lets you draw four cards, you you would have won anyway because the Corp plays terrible at Anarchic. They should not be giving you four cards. Well, Straight then they enough. can
0: give me four credits, which is also good.
1: <laughs> I think this is good with Mystic Mamie. Oh yeah. It's like Save the the cost. The, yeah. The cost is so low that like you can get like discounting it for like a dollar is reducing its play cost by like 50%, which is pretty good. But you should three of in all of the fucking anarchics? Like okay, would you have a paid influence for this? Yeah, I'm gonna put this in shaper. Are you kidding well, me? Well you you're not gonna have to. Uh <laughs> <laughs> we wanna Yeah, we've,
2: we've got I've got some news for you about that. <laughs> if we wanna do go wanna... on.
1: Let's do you, on. Dis- do you wanna discuss these as a set? Or do you want to do one on one? I think we, you got to discuss them as a set. I think we, like... we, we do both. We do both. Okay. We got
0: two card combo here, which don't combo together at all. But we got The Arcation, illustrated by Ben Gilletti. Shaper event, cost one, two influence. Draw four cards. If you have an unspent click, lose the click. To go along was... with that, Creative Commission by Ben Gilletti as well. Same deal. But instead of draw four cards, it's gain five clicks.
1: So, I fuck that. So oh my God. <laughs> that'd be so good. It, it, costs, yeah, a dollar. Uh. it, it, it costs a dollar. <laughs> it's two influence. You gain five credits. If you have any unspent clicks, you lose a click. So, Creative Commission nets you out $4. So, it's essentially sure gamble. Yeah. VRCation nets you out. Plus three cards, which is pretty good. I mean it's four cards for a dollar. And then but the problem is if you play either of these on not your last click, it's pretty fucking devalued. Because I mean, okay, we're gonna do math corner because we need to talk about math. I think it's like you know let's
0: get into Yeah,
1: it. yeah. Okay, so Creative Commission. Mm-hmm. If you play this last click, you played sure gamble for a dollar, which is fucking banana pants nuts. Okay. It's quite good. <laughs> but Look, if, if you play it on click two. You're giving up a click, and then you could have spent that click to click for a credit, which means that you played Easy Mike, but then it's worse because, like, a click is probably worth more than a credit, because you can also use a click to run and play cards and stuff. So, like, it's probably worse than Easy Mike. Let me tell you why these are fucking genius. Why are these fucking genius? Because these
0: will stop me from running last click.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Value? No, but for a starter set, it's so good. This is a very Shaper way to think about Econ. Yes. It's very, you know, it's interesting in some sense because, like, Creative Commission is just sheer gamble. But, like, I think it promotes a methodical style of play. Yes. That is, like, Shaper. It's, like, the thing where, like, you plan out your turn and you fucking execute the master plan and you have a click left over, you know, you make sure you can play Creative Commission at the end. Yeah. And, like, they're also kind of balanced. Like, listen, Creative Commission is fucking nuts. If you think about it, it's sure gambling can play for a dollar. That's incredible rebound value. But you like are investing the value into next turn instead of the current turn getting that gas to go now. Yeah. Yes. It's like okay, listen, like give me a minute. I just got to catch my breath. I'm going to play creative commission <laughs> for <full laughs> quick. And then which is fine. Next Shaper got to build a rig, you know? I will say like these cards maybe don't look sexy, but man, it's like a whole another way to play Shaper now. I love them. Yeah. I think
0: it gives a lot of flexibility to Shaper to actually have playable Econ. That's great. And just to have that flexibility of yes, if you do need four credits this turn right now, yes, you could play this Click 1. It sucks, but you'll have the money, right?
1: I think the thing is, it's like, for the last like four years, it's basically all the super decks have been Pawn Shop decks. Yeah. Because they just don't get Econ cards. So now that you have yeah. Econ cards, you can actually like sit down and be like, I'm going to put an economic engine that isn't based around, like, slow infinite value, mm-hmm. but is instead built around forward tempo that's going to help me win the game. Yeah. Like, you don't need to play proco. Like, you don't have, like, if you have three Diesel, three VRcation, that's probably enough card draw. Just, like, when you think about it, that's drawing you, like, 24 cards, if you play all of them. Like, that's a lot of cards. That's it.
2: Honestly, the words, you don't have to play proco are what will get me back to
1: green, so. I think, okay, I think VRcation is worse than Creative Commission, though, Phil.
0: I like it because I have a fantasy that I steal a an noble kata and they're like, oh, I'm going to punitive the fuck out of you. And then I'm like, boom, my last card was VRcation. Last click. I'm good, baby. So that, that's what it makes
1: me dream. That is my VRcation. I mean, like the quote unquote problem with VRcation is like if you have like a five card hand and you play VRcation, mm-hmm. you want to play VRcation last click. Essentially, if you play it last click, you probably have to discard. Yes. Which is a problem, because shapers, less so than criminals, and anarchs, really don't want to discard cards. They tend to like their cards. The shaper decks are kind of like, I'm going to play every one of these. Like, I, you know, I put this card in my deck because I'm going to fucking play it. Anarchs are like, I don't play the deck the deck plays me, and I just play the cards the deck gives me. But shapers are like, I want to play every single card. Makes sense. Yeah. What's your point? My point is that, if, if this was like an anarch event... It'd the too discarding good. wouldn't be the discard wouldn't be a downside. Yeah, you want to get your bin barricades in the bin. That's what they're. Yeah, about. and you, just, you just have like duplicates and shit. It doesn't matter. But in Shaper, because you're more methodical about your deck building, the discards actually matter a lot because you're like probably giving up resources.
0: You
2: know what yeah. I'm saying?
1: Okay, I get it. Yeah,
2: I think this is one of the things that I like about all three of these econ cards. Honestly, is that we talk about how you know there are decisions, but there is you know definitely like a rule of thumb for these decisions. But identifying those cases where it's correct to do what is typically incorrect, is something that I
1: really love about this. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Let's dive into the art here. Zoe- Oh,
1: I got so many questions
0: Can though. you scoop me on a scoop? <laughs> is it Brian of San San Francisco fame on VRcation?
2: I can oh, neither no! confirm or deny I don't know what this person
0: looks like. I oh, didn't fu- even That's a scoop. To- that, oh, you heard her.
1: It's totally Brian Cassidy. Holy fuck. Isn't it? You're totally right. Man, he's famous now.
0: Yeah. Well, they leaked- and by they, I mean, clearly Nisei. There was like that little art <laughs> scoop like three or four months ago, and they just had the little face. And that's what I thought. Man, Brian, he's tight with Nisei. He got his face on a card. This is and something I want. I
2: there are other I... people who, who have managed that, and not just champ card folks. One of the players from my local meta was the model for my legwork illustration, for example.
0: Ooh, nice. nice.
1: Wait, legwork's um... still in? Legwork's still in. I need to look. Dude, you have you me. have you have fucking update, dude. <laughs> I I need a load check. Okay. Zoe, Phil. Yeah. How, how much do you guys know about women's clothing? Not too much. Zoe, I would say probably the most of anyone on this show. Perfect. A lot. That, we're going with a lot. What is she wearing? Because like it's obvious she's wearing a <laughs> bathing suit, but then there's like this thing. What is it?
2: Oh, it looks like she's probably got like a sarong wrapped around her waist or something.
1: I was gonna say sarong a or a beach What's towel. It? What's I might just be a sar- <laughs> oh, my teacher, beach and I'm a fucking mm-hmm. idiot. Wait, what's a sarong? I
2: mean, it's a light, pretty, multi-purpose fabric that you wrap around, usually yourself. How do you spell it? I think it's s a r o n g. I was I, not told that a spell spelling bee would be part of this. Uh... Oh, all I,
1: sorts oh, of okay. There was a I've geography
0: seen, quiz once.
1: I've seen sarong. I've seen sarongs before. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Shall we go to creative I, commissions? I was going to say that I like this artwork a lot. I love it.
2: Yeah, the creative commission art is stunning. And it's originally the art that we showed when we were teasing Gateway way back when with the two people in like the sort of glass elevator looking chamber viewing an entire city and making plans that was originally conceptualized as a creative commission and then got repurposed for Offworld Office, which I think is sick. And then we got the same artist
1: to do this, which is also sick. This is one of the prettiest pieces of NetRunner I'd have seen in my life. Right? It's so intricate. It's so intricate. Is it Tao the runner? Uh that is
2: not Tao. I'm not sure who is being depicted here. So um, I'm like Tao what do we depicted on some other cards that we've seen
1: already, such as uh, MD2Z Optimizer. Are we allowed to scoop the secret behind that card? Oh sure. <laughs> Go <goes> for it. <laughs> All I'm just saying is 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 do some you know, do we w have been playing 4D chess. Think about who was on the dev team during the production of that card. And uh, you, you might you might put together a puzzle on that, but creative commission. It's fucking beautiful. It's so fucking good. Yeah, what I. Is would, make it, what no is he making? But what is he making? I mean, like I know what he's making, but Phil, just so Zoe knows, what what's he making? I'm still trying to decipher this scoop you dropped. What the fuck? <laughs> he is.
0: He is. <laughs> well, it's a commission to me, which means. It's a like, oh, thank he you, All art, right? he's painting a beautiful picture that's gonna go on. I don't know. I, I think you'd call this maybe a mandala. There's some in the back. It's just art. He's just drawing what, a sick the, painting. A mandala? I, I do really love
2: that he has references up all around him and that's just like a 3D thing. Yeah. Honestly, kind of a dream.
1: This is super cool. I like, there's, a lot of, there's a lot I like about this artwork. I'm glad the VRcation and, and Creative Commission artwork are super good because like, I'm going to be playing these guys a fucking lot. Yeah, we're going to be
0: seeing them.
2: Yeah, the mustache be- on this
1: dude too is oh, that's perfect. It's got he's got like a like a dreadlock in it, not like a dreadlock, but he's got it like braided at the bottom. Oh, the beard, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He's got the little curly mustache going. Very, very artistic. Very Dalí, you know. Yeah, uh, I do like the cation It's like it's subtly dystopian, which I love. Like, oh, it's so you go like, on like, a vacation. It's sad. It's sad. Oh. It's,
1: sad. <laughs> it's it's like um, it is very like, sort of realistic, quote-unquote, I think, in a way. <laughs> this is something I fucking find really funny about it, though, which is that, like, you're in the fucking headset, but also you dress up in, like, beach clothes <laughs> yeah. and, like, the sand <laughs> around. Like, I mean, it probably helps the illusion, but it's just, like... They probably pipe in, like, seagulls. There's also, the
0: like, these screens, too. They really they really draw you in these, uh, these fake beaches, I guess. You're on the moon. Like, there's no real beaches. This is the best they got.
1: Sure. It's like, I've always kind of wondered, you know, there's, um, like, the lore for Bologna yep. is, like, supposed to be some, like, RPG like, FPS game or whatever. I always kind of wondered what, like, the, like, it's obviously not just playing with a screen, a computer, like, you're probably, like, jacked into something. It's interesting. Yeah, this is good art. Okay, it's you want to talk about things. the yeah, fucking I, Yeah, what's
0: another card that has real good art?
1: <laughs> we don't know. I mean,
2: no, it's okay, I am going to... I'm going to uh, share the artist for this. We, at time of recording, don't have the illustration yet, but for several of the Shaper space cards, including this one, we were able to get Ligas Milschgalny. Uh, the um,
0: queen of cyberspace! What Great. other
2: netrunner cards has
0: she
1: done?
2: Um, Tyr. Um, oh! Everything. Oh,
1: that, that, that Liga, that Liga. Yeah. Perfect.
2: Okay. Yeah, so... So there's going to be Liga Art for this as well as like Shaper Breakers and things like that.
1: What is this the Shaper is, program we're talking about? This is the one, like Phil. I I specifically requested this one for you because i extra special treat for your. I your had buddy, to fucking Phil. sit through six months of you fucking complaining about how Shaper fucking sucks. Meanwhile, I'm playtesting all the busted fuck Shaper cards, and it's like this guy doesn't even know. So I figured. You know, we gotta tell the people. This one looks real good. This one looks real good. It's called
0: Conduit. Whenever a successful run on R and D ends, place one virus counter on this program. That's that's just classic shaper right there. Click run R and D if successful. Access one additional card for each hosted virus counter
1: when you breach R and D. Breach. So we gotta talk. We gotta talk about what the fuck breach means. So uh, like breach, breach is sidebar.
2: Yeah, so breach will have been explained in a rules team article that I'm grateful to not have to write by the time that this goes up, but I'm still down to talk about it.
1: Yeah, so breach is like basically saying like access. So like for all those old fogies out there, what this is really saying is click to run IND. If successful, access an additional card for your hosted virus counter when you access IND. But instead of access, it says breach because now going forward, breach is basically going to be the catch-all sort of keyword or phrase that denotes the access step.
2: Which, if I never have to explain the difference between the Amakua condition and the Hoshiko condition again, I will be infinitely grateful to the rules team. So this seems sick.
0: Oh, excellent. Yeah, and Hoshiko doesn't need to be rewarded.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah.
2: This is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about, like, some of the, like, quieter stuff. is like, people dealing with, like, rules and templating are just, like, quietly taking away on all this stuff that, like... Yeah, it feels like the slow roll, and, like, when we talk about it, it's like, oh, this is a word, but, like, anything in rules, like, the infrastructure for this is, frankly, terrifyingly deep.
1: So, Phil. Yes. You know when, like, did you have any siblings growing up? So I have three brothers, and then... When
0: I was in university, I went home for Christmas, and I had an extra brother. My parents had just picked up a street urchin. Oh, Vincent, I love you. You're great. You probably won't listen to this,
1: but I'm like, just can you kidding. tell me He's the context for that part of the story? Like, wait a second. Oh, well, I know. My,
0: my parents just like adopted another child who's like my other brother's friend who got kicked out of his house, so he came to live oh, with us. Okay, he still okay, comes okay. to our house for Christmas. It's great. He's a good guy.
1: So you know, like sometimes when you know, your brother gets a really nice toy and then your parents are like, oh, fuck, I didn't get Phil a nice toy. Oh, this is yeah. like when your parents are like, fine, we'll just buy you another same toy. So this is this is medium. <laughs> this is just medium, right? Like this is, this is just medium, basically. It's medium, but like fixed
0: I'm, to be not completely broken. You can't stack them because it's a click to run ability. You can't stack yeah. it with run events, which decreases power for sure. But the core of it is still the very strong card we know and love. So, we didn't read out
2: the costs on this, but this is four to install and four Shaper Influence.
1: Yeah, this is four, and it's one MU. Yes. Yeah, so this is cost a dollar more than medium. It costs an influence more than medium to import, but I mean, it's just, it's just the medium text, basically. I, I don't no, this think is-
0: this is the situation you
1: described, Eric. This is your parents grabbing
0: the toy away from Little Anarch and giving it to Shaper. Shaper needs it, dude. Yeah, they do. And <laughs> this is excellent.
1: No, I mean, it's very good. It's just like the thing in Netrunner Standard is like you can basically ignore RD. And, like you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Because like they really like no one's running Maker's Eye. And then like you just like sort of grant for access with turning wheel anyway. So it's like Shaper the... has no pressure right now. Nothing. Yeah, there's nothing they there's no pressure. To. There's no pressure. And then so like this is like at any time they can just SMC for conduit and fucking run you four times. Yeah. And then like if you ice it, They'll get to see five cards or whatever. If you purge, they'll just run back again.
0: And now they have money. They have creative commission.
1: I think I think this program is good. I think this program is good enough to get played in other factions, by the way, of four influence. I, think I like could see this clashed. Yeah. Criminal, Criminal will play a copy of this. Anak might play a copy of this. Yeah, I mean, Zaya loves it. Zaya loves it. Like rich. Com- it combos with her ability. The big one. So like Tau Salonga, the one who swaps ice when the judges are scored or stolen. Mm-hmm. It's, like, really powerful with Tau because it's, like, you just swap all the shitty ice onto RD. Yeah, <laughs> And it's, like, it's, it's hard because if you're pushing with Conduit and they, like, push out of a remote, you can swap the ice. If you're running with Conduit, you only have to break the expensive ice once, and then you can swap it away. And so, like, I think Tau with Conduit is going to be fucking gross. It's, ins- it's really powerful. It's, like, really good. <laughs> like, Conduit's going to be one of those cards where it's just, like, it just defines how the game is played. It's like, oh, yeah, you have to, like, ice or if you're fucking going to lose the conduit. Like, that's just what the game's going to be. It's a strong um,
0: win con, which is, oh, which is what Shaper needs. Yeah. This is
2: kind of what we're talking about. And also this allows us to give, you know, corporations very proactive and powerful things to do in remotes because the trade-off in defending centrals is way more urgent now.
1: Yeah. It's it's like one of the things is you can't just kind of, like, sit back and do nothing as the core. Yeah. Because they get mediumed. Or you get conduited, basically. Yeah. And so it rewards corps that are, like, going to push a win con. And it's going to suck if your corps doesn't do anything, because Conduit's going to be a big threat. I've lost a lot of games to Conduit in testing. It's super solid. I think we've both lost a lot of games to Medium in our day. (laughs) Yeah. And so, like, in some sense, I think Shaper has better tools to deal with it, because, like, Shaper... Like, if they triple ice R&D, Shaper has, like, the inevitability tools to be able to, like, pick away at that ice tower. If you're Anarch you shut the Conspiracy Breakers, it's really, like, you can't do it multiple times. Yeah. But, like, if you have, like, a nanotech or something, you just go to town. Yeah. That's one of the things that is really interesting about this is just, like,
2: just being a Shaper card, even though it's a card that was already, like, regularly imported, has a really big functional impact on how this plays out.
0: Absolutely. You're you're saving Shaper a ton of of influence as well, just because they have a win condition in faction now. So it it really opens up the space for them in other ways. And again,
2: it's just like, hot take, every faction should have the things that they need to play the game.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
3: It's just no, a good I card.
1: I-, I don't know what to say about this. It's fucking great. I want to play it. It's it's like the, the game's going to get more powerful. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. It's like, I feel like this card is kind of heralding a different direction. Could you fucking imagine if this card was printed in ashes? It just wouldn't happen. There's no way. And so, like, you know, it's exciting to see, like, more powerful cards get pushed. Like, it's kind of insane when you think about it. It's like the faction just got a fucking economic engine and also, like, a way to straight up win the game. Yeah. It's quite thrilling. I mean, these scoops are all good. All these scoops are good. It's ex- wild, you know, it's exciting time to be alive. <laughs> Gateway scoop season is going well.
0: Ah, uh, great scoop season. Thank you
1: for not just giving me
0: drafter this time. Did you draft last, Did you get wait? You got a scoop last time? Yeah, I got a scoop last time. I was running the the custom card Monday threads on right, um, at the time.
1: I mean, drafter was not a bad card. It's just like it's kind of yeah. lame in the sense that it's just like an architect. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's spoiling the powered down versions of these cards is never as much fun. I drew the short straw, which is why I had to be the one writing in the article about why Steam Hack rotated. <laughs> oh no.
3: I think that's, yeah. I that's mean, like,
2: not well, actually true as I'm going to say in the article it is a position that I took in my dev application as something that I thought would be it doesn't need to be gone forever but it's well above the curve with very few downsides and it's just like uh, I hate to use magic analogies but lightning bolt is sometimes food same thing with
1: stim hack my take as someone who's like a very enfranchised competitive player is when I first found out Stimhack was going to rotate, I was like, there's no fucking way. You can't do it. It breaks the game. And then, like, it turns out, it's actually really good for the health of the game in the <laughs> long run. And, like, you know, it's, like, one of those things where you'll be excited about where Anarch's going. Anarch gets some secret cards in the set. It really opens the future for Anarch.
0: Yeah. It was a bit of a gut punch, because, like, it's an, it's an iconic card, right? Like, sure. winning but the game. Win. Like, safe.
1: Siphon went, and we, like, all moved on.
0: Yeah, but everyone kind of hated Siphon.
1: Sure. Probe? <laughs> Listen, I wouldn't pitch Probe as a Stimhack reprint first. So this card is probably
2: called Overdrive.
0: Yeah. Overdrive. The uh, Stim hack replacement, which, what is it? Cost one, five credits, but no brain damage at the end of the run.
1: It's, yeah, it's you run any you, you, you server comes. and you spend a host of credits during the run.
0: Yeah, exactly. This is, I think when you start the game and you see something like Dirty Laundry, You assume it's something like this, not like the delayed gravification dirty laundry actually gives you. So I think this is a really good neutral econ option for sure. But StimHack just has that, you know, run last click StimHack for the game winning agenda and legacy
1: to it, which is hard to see go. One of the takeaways is like, like because StimHack's rotated, you can print more econ options for Shaper and not be busted because you can't play it with StimHack SMC anymore. Right. It's like, that's kind of, was kind of holding the faction back because it's like, whenever you print a really high cost program or you print, like want to do something cool, it's like, oh yeah, like they can just like cheat this out with SimHack SMC. And so now that SimHack's gone, they really can't do that. The game's a lot better place for
0: it. Yeah, it's like how Wayland was just Wayland for three years because they had Scorched Earth. Yeah. <laughs> then they got a lot more interesting when it rotated. So
2: I, I have big hopes for it. It makes me happy hearing you come around on it because I remember that trash or Busto call. <laughs> I'm sorry, I remember that, like, playtester hot takes first impressions call. On Probe? Uh, Yeah.
1: Well, okay, listen, I'm not going to share my opinion (laughs) about Probe, because it's not safe for work. You know, I hope people enjoy it. I'll put it that way. But uh, I think StimHack being gone for the game is, like, fine (laughs) in the long run.
2: Yeah, no, and, like, to be clear, like, Probe is decidedly us saying, like, hey, this is this is what something looks like at, like, a balance level that is very even and very fair. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't preclude mm-hmm. us having other effects in faction that have, you know, a higher ceiling and more character to them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Not by a long shot. And hey, somebody might play Compile once. Yeah. It was lovely having
1: you on the show,
2: Nat, Zoe. Thank you. This has been lovely, and gosh, there's so much... There's always so much more. I, <laughs> It's been great talking to y'all about this and finally being able to, like... Just like just- share so much about this thing that I've been pouring, you know, now over mm. a year of my life into and doing so kind of silently.
1: <laughs> it's kind of weird, like you play. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like I've been play, I've been, been play testing it for a long time. I'm like play testing stuff after it. Um, it's kind of like it's in my mind. It's already released, uh, <laughs> like mentally. So it's going to be exciting. I mean, like one of the things I like is it's just sick to see. The ways we fucked up and this cool shit people could do with these cards. Cause it's like, you can't figure out all the combos. So, like, I'm really excited. You want like, someone some- to break this shit. Oh, yeah. I want to see, I want to see the busted fucking combo deck with like Neuro Spike or like and whatever it ends up being called. Yeah, um, if the
0: meta
2: that is established over all of those competitive games is identical to what we've got from the smaller sample size and rapid changes of development process, then we've made our game too shallow. It should be able to surprise us still.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a very exciting time to be alive. Phil and I will probably, we'll probably like circle back and do like a deeper dive on update. Like, we'll probably do gateway card by card or some shit. Yeah, that's classic fucking... podcast fodder. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, yeah, content, content, content.
2: Yeah, I don't time. know. The thing about gateway is that like, you know, gateway card by card is, of course, the way that like every enfranchised player is going to approach it. And like, I'm very happy for that. But I don't know the thing, the thing that I'm most proud of with this set that, you know, is not really going to be reflected anywhere there is. So I've already seen in my town that like, our Netrunner scene has changed demographics like quite a bit in the Nisei era. Hmm. And a lot of that is just straight up like openness to proxies and print and play availability for all of our stuff. Which is a commitment uh-huh. that we're maintaining, you know, fully into the future. And the end result of this is that we get people who are pushed out of card games because, let's be real, this is this is a lot of money for cardboard.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
2: And so, to me, it's kind of nice to see our netrunner scene in town starting to converge, even a little bit, with like our DIY music and punk scene, and seeing people playing tabletop games who I don't know, are just a more varied and diverse group than I would normally see.
0: Totally. Mm-hmm. Are you big into that DIY punk scene? Yeah, I... Gosh. Gotta... 2020 has
2: messed up so many things. Oh, absolutely. So, so I, play, I play bass in a folk punk band called the Window Smashing Job Creators.
0: I fucking um, love that. Oh, that's such a good <laughs> band name.
2: Thanks. It's like a dozen-person collective. We play music loosely like inspired by jazz and blues and folk and klezmer and kind of have like a rotating lineup so i'm one of you know two possible bass players it's incredibly fun because none of our shows sound the same we have like the constant revolving door of people
0: Mm -hmm. that's so cool
2: the crossover here is again like more than i feel like would immediately be expected and i don't know. I'll admit that I'm also pushing Crossover a bit, as like I already talked about in my article about Corroder, the flavor text for that card is from a folk punk band called Rent Strike. And we got permission to do that because my band was opening for Chad H. George, and the person who, you know, fronts this band was playing banjo for them. And so just like after a set, being able to just be like, hey, I found this work that you've done about... Well, I don't know, the theme, the theme with Corroder is melting prison walls. And this person's music inspired me a bunch in terms of how I wanted to do that imagery. So getting to just be like, hey, can we use those lyrics? was fucking sweet.
1: That's awesome. Dude, yeah. You're going to play us out on this episode, right? Yeah, what are we uh, going to
2: hear? Yeah, yeah. Um, you're going to hear Communism in Space. This is from one of the last gigs before we um shut everything down. So this is uh, one of our last stops on our tour last year.
0: Amazing. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on the show. Eric, after we hang up, you're going to explain this md 2 Z <laughs> optimizer shit to me.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Track the secret code.
0: All right, everyone, have a great day. Enjoy the rest of Scoops Week, and we'll catch you next time.
1: You're around, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye. like that who was it was it Moses who led the Jews out of the desert he split the ocean. That, <laughs> that was that's <laughs> like that's like us that's like we're Moses leading the Nethernick community out of the desert into the promised land the fullest scoops. <laughs> yeah